0: Bill Buckley here. I want to invite you to join me this summer on a trip of a lifetime to both Israel and Jordan. I'm teaming up again with Pastor Ralph Yankee-Arnold for this life-changing pilgrimage. Come see the biblical sites you've read about, Jerusalem, Mount of Olives, Sea of Galilee, Jericho, Jordan River, Nazareth, Bethlehem, Petra, and so much more. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A 700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com, BillBunkley.com, or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. to God that he might give eternal life that I might live and turn my
1: darkness take your Bible and turn life. to Second Peter Second Peter and when chapter 1 blind. Peter was um he's like a lot of people I know he had a um uh, Problem of speaking before he got his brain in gear. You ever meet somebody like that? I saw a little tag one time. It says a little thing says, "Don't put mouth in motion till you put brain in gear." But he he said what he thought. You never had to worry about what Peter was thinking. And uh, with all the disciples, you know, God never changed that. He just used it. And sometimes you have some people that are kind of wired. They're, everybody's wired differently. And some people, that give you the biggest problems, are usually those that are uh, a little bit on the independent side, you know, a little bit uh, hard to control. We used to pick up kids on the buses, and I would tell the teachers in uh, the Sunday school class, because sometimes I had teachers, and they'd have 70, 80, 90 kids in a class, and there'd be one teacher and a couple helpers. And it says, what in the world am I going to do with those? Just a couple of them. They seem like they get control of the class. I says, well, use it. He says, what do you mean? I said, let them become the leader. That's what they want to do anyway. I says, in of to suppress them, use them. I said, when you're on the bus and you got one kid that always got to seem like he got to have the attention, I says, put him up front, let him lead the singing." And they started doing that, and it worked fine. That's what they want. Use them. And you try to put them down, buddy, they pop up someplace else, and it's just nothing but chaos. And uh, I'd have them come up there and do memory verses and uh, lead these kids into singing, and uh, all they wanted was attention. (laughs) And you always have a bunch of people that, I ain't getting up in front of nobody, I don't care what happens. And they don't want it. Okay, that's fine. Let them do what they do. You just, there's followers and there's leaders. And so Peter was a leader, and God used that. Even when he denied the Lord, the Lord says, I'm going to pray that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, I want you to do something for me. I want you to strengthen your brethren. So God already knew what was going to happen and knew he would be all right. And God still used him. I'm glad that he is a God of second chance and third chance and fourth chance because how many chances has he given us? A whole bunch. But anyway, here in Second Peter, in chapter 1, he just finished telling them that, he said, I'm going to die. So you see there in verse 13, Yea, I think it meet or fit necessary, as long as I am in this tabernacle, and talk about in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Helping them to know, to remember the things they already know. A lot of times the pastor is not giving you something new, he's just kind of refreshing your memory helping you to remember the things that you're supposed to do. You know you're supposed to witness, so he just tries to help you a little bit in that direction. You know you're supposed to read the Bible, true? Well, okay, he just tried to help you a little bit in that direction. And so we're just leading you in the direction you already know where to go. Just sometimes you need a little kick here and there, and a little warning here and there, and a little rebuke here and there. But he says, I want to put you in remembrance, because I'm going to be putting off this body that I have. And look in verse 14. He says, Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Now, look there in John chapter 20. The Gospel of John in chapter 20. He makes this statement that he is going to um, have something happen toward the end. And of course, you know, there's always somebody that wants to know, well, what about so-and-so? And And you'll notice there in the... In verse 18, he had just went through asking Jesus three times, do you love me? Well, I believe it's because three times he denied him. He didn't say that, but I got a hunch that relates to it. So in verse 18, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, walkest whither thou wouldest. And when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hand. And another shall gird thee and carry thee, whether thou wouldest not. In other words, you're going to live to be old. And they're going to stretch forth your hands, and they're going to take you where you don't want to go. Now, many believe, historically, that he was crucified upside down, because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. So they hung him upside down. Now, Jesus told him, "He, you're going to die. And Peter remembered that. Well, I... Probably would have remembered that too. But he did say, you're going to get old. And he says in verse 19, This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Now, just in that one little statement, see, I can read things into that. It makes me think, okay, I'm, I'm going to live to be an old man. I'm guaranteed. Because God's already said that how I'm going to die. And, but I'm going to be old. In verse 20, he said, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, who I believe is John, which also leaned on his breath at supper, and said, Lord, what is he that betrayeth thee? Which is he that betrayeth thee? Uh, He had said that. In verse 21, Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus said unto him, It's none of your business. That's paraphrased. What if I will that he tarry till I come? What is that to thee? all about me. Do you get anything out of that? It's not what God does with somebody else. It's what God does with you. Don't worry about how God uses somebody else. Just be thankful how God uses you. You're an individual and you just be found faithful to do what God wants you to do. So they thought, okay, well, John's going to live until Christ comes back. But he didn't say that. See what he says in verse 23? Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him he shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come what is that to thee? So, you know, just like a bunch of people, they get things mixed up and then start a rumor. Well, that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. But now go back there to the book of 2nd Peter. So he says, it's going to be very soon. I'm going to be getting rid of this tabernacle. I'm going to die. And he'd given his whole life to the Lord. You see, once you trust Christ as Savior, now that gets you to heaven. That gives you eternal life. But after you trust Christ as Savior, we should yield ourselves to the Lord, and Christ should be the Lord, the master of our life. But not to be saved, but because we are saved and we want to serve him. The Lord should tell us what to do, and we should yield to him. But now the time's coming when he's going to leave. And so he says here in verse 14, Knowing that surely I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me, which is what we just read. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. See, you and I could serve the Lord a lot more faithfully if we could just remember what we're supposed to do. The problem that Israel had is, and there's a whole psalm on it, Israel forgot. They forgot. And people just forget. They forget to be faithful. And they forget to do the things that they're supposed to do. And whenever you don't do the things you're supposed to do, that, that affects something else. And then something else and something else. We should always be found faithful. That's why coming to church, we challenge each other. We, we, we encourage one another. We, sometimes we rebuke one another. We're supposed to exhort one another to be found faithful, to do good works. So he says, I want to put you in remembrance of that. And here's the reason why. Verse 16 is a very important verse. Because, you see, we're not following some cunningly devised fable, some made-up story. He says, what we're doing is real. This is the real thing. The Christian life is the real life. Serving the Lord, that is what's real. A people that are out on drugs, that are wasting their life on a thousand other things, that's not really living. You hear them say that, it doesn't get any better than this. Oh, hogwash, it does too. When you serve the Lord and and you have the joy and the peace of God, it can't get much better than that in this life. But it is the best. The Christian life is the best. The best. Serving the Lord is the best. It's the best life. And then on top of that, you're going to get rewarded when you get to heaven. And that's that's a jewel. That's, that's wonderful. But look what he says in verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, since the Lord has come and been crucified, raised from the dead promises to come back again. What we're talking about is real. This is the real story, and this is the real life. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I want you to take your Bible and look there at a verse. It's in the book of Matthew, in chapter 16. Jesus had just talked to his disciples, and he was trying to get them to see the importance of serving him. And that if any man will deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, he says, "Uh, you you have no idea what I'm going to do for you. Now, he's not talking here to his disciples how to get to heaven. He's talking about what they're going to have if they serve him. Because, see, nobody can make you trust the Lord. Nobody can make you serve the Lord. So he says here in verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, in verse chapter 16, Matthew, he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now this is for service, this is not salvation. And for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. But what is a man profited? If he gain the whole world, lose his own soul or lose his life here. But what shall a man give in exchange for his soul, for his life? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father... With his angels. And you ought to underline this part of the verse. And then, then, he shall reward every man according to his works. So when you talk about his works, you're talking about rewards. It's talking about service. When You talk about salvation. It's always by grace and it's free. So going to heaven is free. It's a gift. Christ did the work, paid for it, gives it to us. And we get to go to heaven by grace alone. Now, what we have when we get to heaven depends upon what we do for the Lord while we're here. So all the decisions that we have, all the trials and tribulations are working for us. They're given us simply. They're just opportunities for us to earn rewards. And when you see that and understand that, it doesn't bother you. But look in verse 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death. You won't die physically. Till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So he's holding this disciples. He says, there's some of you standing right here. You're not going to physically die until you see me in the kingdom. Okay. That sounds pretty good. Chapter 17. Verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taken Peter, James, and John. So there's Peter. And bringeth them up into the high mountain. And verse 2. And was transfigured before them. That means he was totally changed. They saw him like in a glorified body, transfigured, in power, great glory, brighter than the noonday sun. They saw him. Don't you wish you'd have been there? And he says, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So Moses and Elijah, see, they, um, they're still alive. Now, the body of Moses was buried, but nobody knows where it was at. Now, Elijah, now, he hadn't died. He was taken up in a chariot of fire. But those individuals are still around. And he shows up with them, and Peter, James, and John was there, and they saw him. And I believe that um, Moses looked like Moses, and I believe Elijah looked like Elijah. And it's the same ones that was here upon the earth. So whenever I die and I get to heaven, it's going to be me. And when you get to heaven, you're going to know me and I'm going to know you. We're going to know each other. Otherwise, what's the value of trying to get you there? So he says, he said, I got a good idea. Let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for you and one for you. And a voice came down out of heaven and says, shut up. He says, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And so he says there in verse 5, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the clouds which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And they looked, and nobody was there but the Lord. But he says, Some of you standing here are going to see me as I will be in my kingdom. Six days later, it happened. So, Peter says, look, he says, I am an eyewitness of his glory. He was also an eyewitness of his sufferings. So he saw the whole thing. And Peter says, look, because I was there and I saw it and I was at the cross and I saw it. We are not following some cunningly devised fable. Somebody put this together and made it all up. He says, this is real. This is true. And this is why the disciples were willing to die. Look what he says in verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. And now he's referring back to that time we just read there in the book of Matthew chapter 17. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now, he says we were eyewitnesses up there in verse 16. So he said, we saw it. And we heard with our ears the voice from the excellent glory that said, this is my beloved son. So he says, we saw and we heard. He says, but there's something that's better than seeing and hearing. Every one of us would love to be able to see and to hear what they saw and what they heard. Hold your place right there. But look there in First John in chapter 1. First John chapter 1. Look in verse 1. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have, see there, heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, we've touched him. We saw Him. We heard Him. And it's not a figment of our imagination. We have seen God. We have seen and touched eternal life. And it says, Our hands have handled of the word of life. And the word, the life, was manifested. We've seen it and bear witness. Show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So, Boy, they they seen it and they heard it. This is why the disciples in their day were able to preach the gospel all over the world. That's why they were willing to die for the Lord. They knew this is not a game. They knew and believed with all their heart this is real. They saw Christ crucified. They saw him after he came back again from the dead. And they believed this is real. It changed their whole life you see when I trusted Christ as my Savior I can't say that changed my life I knew I had eternal life and I'm going to heaven when I died and I really just trusted the Lord for fire insurance I just didn't want to go to hell you see you shouldn't do it for that I thought it was a pretty good reason it wasn't until a little later that I began to read and study that I I got to love the Lord And the more I read, and the more I studied, the more I loved them, and the more I wanted more and more and more, I couldn't get enough. There were nights when I would not go to sleep. I would spend all night long reading the Bible. All night. And Betty's dad would stay up all night with me and teach me the things about the Bible. Because I had never heard. I didn't go to Sunday school. I didn't go to church. I didn't have Christian parents. And when I trusted Christ as my Savior, all I had was my father-in-law. And buddy, I took advantage of him. But I had questions, and I had to have answers. And buddy, it really made a lot of difference. But look what he says here in verse 19. Now you and I today, we have something that's better than an eyewitness. Even something that's better than somebody that heard or saw. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Did you know that what God revealed In the Old Testament, all those prophecies is better to have than being an eyewitness of what you saw and heard. Because, you see, you know this is true. Did you know that what you see, you can be deceived? What you hear, you can forget. And that's why he said, to remember, to remember, to remember. Because, you know, isn't it true that there's many things that over the years that you can't remember as clearly. I've had so many things happen in my life, and I start telling some of the stories, and next thing you know, I done got them all mixed up with two or three other stories. And then I say, did this happen at this time? And I find out, no, that was two years later. I thought, well, how come I can't remember it clearly? Because, you see, I'm trusting memory. I never wrote it down. But whenever you and I come to the Word of God... And we have the Old Testament scriptures that were given. We can always go back and check. This is what God said. This is what it did. And buddy, they line up. We have, and it says there in verse 19, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. That's what prophecy does. It's like windows that let light into a dark room. Things that you can't see. And all of a sudden you read the word of God and the prophecies and it kind of lights the way. And when people don't see the light in the Old Testament of Christ, then they can't see into the future. And there's a veil over their eyes as he talks about the nation of Israel. But look what he says in verse 20. Knowing this first... That no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, you're not supposed to pick this verse and this verse and this verse and this verse and then put them together and make it say anything that you want to. With the scriptures, it has to perfectly dovetail. The word of God cannot contradict itself. It can't be salvation by grace in one place and then salvation by works in another place. It won't work that way. It's all by grace, and all the Bible perfectly fits together. Even though written between 35 and 40 different writers over a period of fifteen to 1,600 years, and yet it all comes together perfectly. There is no book like this book. And so he says here, Knowing this verse that no prophecy of the Scripture is of a private interpretation, but it was not written by the will of man. But the Holy Spirit told the men what to write, and they wrote the scriptures as they were moved or guided along by the Holy Spirit. That is what we call inspiration. The Word of God is inspired by God. God breathed. And so we have an awesome book. We don't have a fable. Not a bunch of man-made beliefs we have the sure word of prophecy and as you study the scriptures you can see what God said and you can see what God did and what God said and what God did it came together perfectly and Christ came and fulfilled the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning his first coming now he says he's going to come back again and I am looking forward to Jesus Christ coming back again because he can't come back again if he never came back out of the grave. So he was crucified and buried and rose again, ascended into heaven. And we're looking for him to return again, just like he said. Now, look there in Second Timothy in chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And look there in verse 15. It says to young Timothy, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. If there's anything you need to know, it's the Word of God. That's why it's so important to teach children the Holy Scriptures while they're young. Planting the divine seed into their mind. And you never know when it will grow. But it says, Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, because you heard the Scriptures, you learn them, you find out salvation is the gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast, and you find out from the Scriptures how to be saved. That's the most important thing any child can ever know, is to know the Lord. I wish I had known the Lord at a very early age, but My parents could not teach me what they did not know because their parents never taught them. So you can't go back. You can only go from where you are. And I wanted to make sure that my children knew the Lord. Now my children have made sure that their children have trusted Christ as their Savior. Now look what he says in verse 16. All Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine to teach what's right For reproof, they'll let you know what's wrong. For correction, how to make it right. For instruction, how to teach it right. In righteousness. And get this in verse 17 that the man of God. Now, see, in verse 15, a child. In verse 17, a man. And what lies in between is the Word of God. You trusted Christ as your Savior. You became a child of God. The only thing that will make you a man of God is not going to be money in this world. It's not going to be friends. It's not going to be where you work, how many cars you have. It's the Word of God. Only the Word of God can make you a man of God. And the Bible says in verse 70 that the man of God may be mature, truly furnished unto all good works. And when a Christian can't do the good works that God wants him to do, it's because he's not a man yet. He's not a man of God. And this is not determined by how long you live. It's by the Word of God living within you. That matures you. And you learn and you grow because of that. You have trusted Christ as your Savior. You know you have eternal life. You know that you're going to go to heaven when you die. And time has probably passed, and you've been growing in the Lord. Are there things in my life that are not right? And if there isn't, then you should talk to the Lord about that. Confess your sins to the Lord, and He is faithful and just to forgive you. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, well, you can do that right now at this moment. Say, what do I have to do? Just believe that when Christ died on that cross, He paid for your sins. And will you trust Him? Depend upon Him to take you to heaven when you die? God said if you trusted Him, He would save you, give you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. And you can do that right now in the quietness of your own mind between you and the Lord. And simply say, Lord, I believe you did it for me. And I'm trusting you right now as my Savior. And you say, mean, then, then I can do it? Yes, you can, if you believe. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 Westwaters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. And request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. So live today and every day believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up.
0: Amazing grace amazes me.